you've been talking about a life of holiness or the experience of holiness, the doctrine of holiness, that we can be holy in this life and God commands it. But how do we now live this out? What is the practical things we need to know and understand to be holy and walk with God? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and Gab TV and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where you'll find these uploaded and other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You will find us back out in the public square in Wilkes-Barre, Wednesday, April the 13th at 6.30 p.m. And hopefully, Lord willing, we are changing from meeting Sunday mornings out there to Wednesday evenings on 6.30 throughout the rest of the spring and summertime. In the meantime, if you'd like to get together with a group of believers, worship, study, then please call us and then uh, we can try and hook you up with that uh, and meet. In, we're meeting in homes at the moment, but you can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We've been talking about the doctrine of holiness, uh, that it is possible, speaking about the nature of God, uh, speaking about the plan of redemption, going up into the New Testament where it is more unveiled now, and God wants us to be holy, and he makes provision for us to be holy in this life. So we are interested in, in seeing how now do we live this out. The Apostle Paul oftentimes would give doctrine and so looking at a defense of the doctrine, he would build his epistles in the beginning portions of it with teachings that need to be known. But those teachings mean absolutely nothing if they're not applied. So you find often at the end of Paul's epistles, he gives very practical now in light of this doctrine, because this is true, here is how you live. So that's answering the question, what about living this life of holiness? What does this look like? The life of holiness, unfortunately, is a very neglected theme. There is the thought of um, we're living in continual sanctification until we move on to heaven. So I, I can't say that it's neglected in that sense. But if God gives deliverance to that carnal heart, that carnal mind, that inbred sin, if he gives deliverance from that corrupted part of our nature, now, how do we live this out? Some people would think, well, I, you know, are we not tempted anymore? Is there no more room for growth? We're absolutely perfect. These things are all misconceptions of it. And that life of holiness ends up being a neglected theme. Hopefully, we can deal with this in some manner here that makes this more uh, obviously biblical, but also accessible. So, there are two problems as a result of the life of holiness being a neglected theme. 
one problem is the idea of I have arrived. I'm, I've already made it. There's no more room for growth. The other side is that it gets confusing. So under the I have arrived uh, method of, of confusion or problem is people tend to live very carelessly. Well, I already received this experience. God has already filled me with the spirit of God. Therefore, I have reached this Christian zenith and there is no more room left for me. I have arrived. That is a terrible outlook, and we need to be very careful of that kind of an outlook because it is not biblical. On the side of confusion, we have the questions, okay, well, I had this experience, and God has cleansed my heart. Now, how am I supposed to live this out? What does that look like? Uh, Do I fight battles, or is God just going to fight all these for me? Uh, Are there no more temptations? These are all confusing thoughts that people have. So, The remaining studies that we're going to be looking through in this series is after being sanctified holy, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, what are its relationships, developments, and its duties? These are very important practical things that you and I need to face if we're going to walk with God. Holiness and its relationships is what we're going to be dealing with at this point. So we want to know what is the relationship of somebody who is holy and walking with God to human nature. Oftentimes there is a Gnostic hangover that the human body in and of itself is sinful. Therefore, there's no way we can be holy because we're living in sinful flesh. But if you look throughout the New Testament, the Bible does not teach that our human flesh is evil in and of itself. It is an instrument of temptation, sure, because of our natural desires. Holiness is dealing with the corrupted part of our nature. For instance, we have anger, jealousy, uh, a certain sense of pride or self-esteem that in and of themselves is not evil or wrong, but with a corrupted heart, those are twisted outside of what God had intended for these emotions. So we want to know what relationship does holiness have to the human nature because they're not at war with one another. We are a, a being made up of several different parts, none of which are more important than the other. They all are synergistically working together in a life of holiness. So what are the elements then of the human nature? Man is human, man is mortal, and man is sinful. These are three elements of human nature. Man is human, man is mortal, and man is sinful. So let's break all of this down. Let's start with man is human. So by humanity, we are to understand uh, their makeup straight from the hand of God, our makeup straight from the hand of God before sin entered the world. That's humanity. And that, that helps us, I guess, in some respect to sever humanity with wickedness because of the confusion a lot of people have about humanity and this flesh and bones being evil in and of itself, we realized, no, man was human. We were, I say we were, man was human before the fall in the garden. We don't know what it's like to uh, be human without all of the mess of sin because we're on this side of Adam's transgression. So we're looking at humanity before sin entered the world. As a human being, man has physical desires which are normal, hunger, fear of danger, sleep, and grief. There is nothing necessarily moral or immoral about those actions. Those are just the normal part of being a human. 
as a human being, man is on probation. Therefore, he is capable of falling and is subject to temptation and to circumstances that test the moral nature of a person. So we, we're in a test period here. It's appointed unto man once to die, then after this, the judgment. We don't have a second chance then. So we have to deal with life as it is right here. And we have to decide that we are going to follow Christ here. We must be born again. We must repent of sin. We must be walking in holiness. Whichever way the tree is leaning, that is where the tree will fall. So we can't expect that, you know, we'll somehow be surprised into entering into heaven if that's not been our aim while we've been here on earth. We are on probation. We are having all sorts of things against that holy nature that he has given us in Christ. We have so much coming against us. We are now in this probationary period to say, I choose God regardless of all these temptations. I'm going to walk with God. As a human, man is finite. We have limitations. Therefore, he's limited in knowledge and power. From this, we realize that unfallen man needed God. And so does a redeemed man because God is infinite in all of his attributes in all of his person. And we are finite. So I, we need God, whether or not we're sinful or holy, because he fills things that you and I already have our limits cut off. We need God. So man is human. We see man is mortal. And as mortal man is under the curse of death. Not only is he dying, but his faculties are defective and weakened. He is subject to faulty judgment, to poor memory, to inadequate physical strength. And then we're going to deal with the sinful part in a little while. But because of the fall, every part of our being has been affected. Every part of our being has been infected. We are not the way that God created us. We have been degraded in a large sense. The, the depravity that has fallen upon us as people has messed up the original creation that God has made us to be. So Romans 5.12, we read, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 8, 19 through 21, we read, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature, or that is the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So here we find the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. That's the whole creation. Then the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of this corruption. So we realize creation, which includes us, was created pure, right, and holy, but because of sin entering in there, unwillingly subject to vanity, to corruption, and we're yearning for that to be rectified. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 54. So when this corruptible, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So here we find we have, we're corruptible, we are mortal, and we're headed towards a physical death. That is part of the fall. That's part of our mortality. 
We also said man is not only mortal, but man is mostly man is human, man is mortal, and now man is sinful. Mankind is what I mean when I say man. So as sinful, man is possessed of a nature that turns away from God. Let me read that again. As sinful beings, we are possessed of a, with a nature that turns away from God. That is our inclination almost by default. So Romans 8, 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. What salvation does to the human nature then is of utmost importance to us. Salvation for the human nature delivers us from sin, from its bondage, from its tyranny. What we are not delivered from when we are saved is also very important for us to understand. Mortality and subjection to death. So we're not delivered from that when we are saved, when we are born again. We still are mortal. We're still headed towards a physical death. We cannot undo that. Um, we, the only time that things of, of that nature are undone is at the resurrection, at the end of time, when we are resurrected and brought back to life, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting death. Then we'll be human in heaven. It says that we don't know what we shall be like, but when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. And Jesus had a physical body. He was, when he rose, he showed himself to the disciples. He said, give me a piece of fish and he ate it. If he was just a spirit, they would have saw the piece of fish he ate drop to the ground, but they didn't. They, they could touch him. They could see him. He was there. He was a human, but he was a glorified human being. We'll be human in heaven. So there will be glorified humanity in heaven. This is all when everything is consummated. So we have what salvation does for us on earth. And then the final salvation is that glorified state in heaven. Uh, and when we're in heaven in that glorified humanity, we're no longer under the curse. Also, we're not under probation anymore. Now we are sealed forever in eternity with God. And there is no tempter. There is no devil. We are not under a probationary period any longer we are with God forever and ever and ever if we've been born again and we have been faithful and stayed true to him throughout our days here on earth. So now we're going to be dealing with what sanctification is not. But before that, we're going to go to a short break. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So sanctification is not absolute perfection. Remember, man is finite. God is the one that has absoluteness in all of his, well, in all of his faculties, all his character, all his perfections, all of his attributes. He is absolute in every sense. You and I are not. And I, this is where the confusion comes with the doctrine of holiness. Oftentimes people believe the doctrine of holiness 
uh, and they would shun it and push it away because they equate it with absolute perfection, which is only given to God. And I would, I would say, I don't know if absolute perfection would be given to angels, but there is a perfection that angels have that you and I will never have in this earth. So man is finite. We have an end. So sanctification is not the Garden of Eden. Uh, the same kind of perfection, it's not the same kind of perfection as that that was possessed by Adam because we are mortal and we're under the curse. So there was that Edenic state. Then there was the fall of mankind and everything was changed from there. They were pushed out of the garden. And and so what they enjoyed, experienced and knew then, and there, now this result on the other side of being kicked out of Eden are two opposite things. God is going to restore that Edenic state in heaven um, when the kingdom of, of grace is made, the kingdom of glory and everything is made sight. <clears throat> Sanctification is not angelic perfection. I had alluded to that just a moment ago. Angel, angels are a different order of being. Uh, as an illustration, note that a perfect apple is quite different from a perfect strawberry, right? So angels have a perfection that belongs to them. Human beings have a perfection that belongs to them. And I'm talking about biblical perfection because the Bible speaks about be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. We've talked about that in a previous uh, episode. Go back and listen to that if you'd like to look at that some more. Uh, but we're not to be perfect like an angel. Also, sanctification is not freedom from temptation uh, because we're still on probation. Jesus was perfect, was he not? And Jesus being perfect, we're told, was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So temptation is perfectly consistent with a holy heart and life, just as it was in Jesus. So it's Sanct entire sanctification is not freedom from temptation. Sanctification does not imply the impossibility of sin. For man is not infallible. We have faults, right? So we could still sin. A lot of people would write off this doctrine and say, call it sinless perfection and dismiss it right off the bat. There is no such a thing as sinless perfection in the sense that you and I uh, have gotten to a place where it is impossible for us to sin. We're going to coast all the way on. We're still in a probationary period. We're still faulty and infallible people. So we are liable to sin. First John 3, 8 through 9. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So here we're, we're said that when we're saved, we don't sin anymore. We can't sin because Christ is in us. It's like, I, I can't do that to Jesus. This is the sense of I cannot sin. Uh, it, I've done another one on 1 John. If you go back into the podcast or you go on YouTube, you can find the teaching about 1 John where people say, um, that the first John chapter one, where it says that if he says that he have not sinned, he's a liar and the truth's not in him. That is misapplied uh, in our present day to mean something that is not contextually accurate. He was dealing with Gnostics in those times. So it, I want to say this, it is possible for you and I to live above willful sin. However, we are never in a place where it is impossible for us to sin. And there's a vast difference between that and the cheap grace that we find so often in Christendom in our present day. First John 5.18, we read, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, 
but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Um, these do not teach the impossibility of sin. They teach that we are to live a life of victory over sin, but not the impossibility of it. They teach the impossibility of Christian sonship existing in a soul that defies God by acts of sin. You cannot be God's child and continuing living a life of sin. It's impossible. It doesn't. It, that's not the way that salvation works in the heart. He changes us completely. Sanctification does not release one from the possibility or necessity of spiritual growth. We find even in nature, if growth stops, death is not too far. It's the same with a human being. If we have a baby and the baby's not growing, there's something wrong with this baby. We need to bring them to the doctor. If you and I are not growing spiritually, there is something terribly wrong with us. Life has either begun to cease or is being snuffed out in our soul if we are not growing. <clears throat> there is a difference then between purity and maturity. So purity is a quality. Maturity is a quantity. Um, growth produces the development of qualities already possessed. So an apple can be sour, but it's still 100% an apple when it's sour and when it's ripe. They're exactly the same apple. They're the same quality in that it is an apple, but the quantity of it. So the quantity of sugars and such are ripening inside of an apple, though it is still a perfect apple in all of its stages. It is not ripened yet. So the growing process changes things not in out of quality, but in quantity. It multiplies in kind. Uh, it produces no new quality and destroys no characteristic that was already possessed. That's important of a distinction. You and I, there, there's nothing in life that we can look at where there is corruption and somehow we grow out of corruption. If there's disease in anything, it has to be destroyed. If there's disease in a human being, if there's disease in plants, whatever, or disease in animals, the only way is that the disease is destroyed. There is no growing that makes the disease go away. So an oak tree can grow into, well, say you see the size of an acorn. And if you were watching the video part, then you see that there's a picture of an acorn, which is quite small, you can hold in your hand. And then we get mighty oak trees that sometimes you need two or three people to link arms uh, in order to go around the whole circumference of the trunk. So a small acorn can grow into an oak tree. Uh, the ivy still clings as the oak grows. So an ivy plant can twist around the outside of an oak tree. And as it grows, the ivy is still clinging there. So a tubercular child can grow but only to become a tubercular adult. The child will not grow out of tuberculosis. The relationship then, so, so that's a, a very important distinction that we need to understand as we talk about holiness. There is purity and there is maturity. Maturity is not us growing out of corruption, but it is the ripening of the graces that we are given when God purifies the heart. It is the ripening of all the things that are good. God in his work through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his blood, cleanses the corruption. And then the growing process is just a matter of time and walking with God as he teaches and instructs us. So the relationship to the person of the sanctifier is something we need to pay attention to. So sanctification is wrought by the incoming of the Holy Ghost and it is kept 
by a relationship with the sanctifier. <clears throat> so let's think about the incoming of the Holy Ghost. Uh, John 14, 16 through 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So the incoming of the Holy Spirit we're talking about. But the Comforter, John 14, 26, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 7 through 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall shew it unto you. A little while, and he shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go unto the Father. So here he comes, and all of these blessings and benefits are by his presence dwelling within us, blessings to us and blessings to the world around us, where Christ is then seen in us and other people see that and the effects that it has on them. But then we are kept by giving due attention to our relationship with the sanctifier, with Christ, through the Holy Ghost, we are kept by paying attention to him as he's guiding and directing us through his word and then applying that word to our lives, helping us to understand what we're supposed to be doing and how to live this out. We have to give due attention to that. <clears throat> so the warning and, and really the encouragement also is do not neglect the spirit of God. Do not neglect Christ. No matter how strong and gracious the experience of entire sanctification may be and may have been if it's happened to you, it can only be maintained as personal relations with God are kept fresh and vital. So it is not a static experience being a Christian. It's dynamic. There are definite points of entrance when we are born again. There's a definite point of entrance into a holy life when he sanctifies us holy and fills us with the spirit of God. But it is a dynamic life that expands and grows. And we are walking with a person. We're not just walking with a salvation. We're walking with a person. And so we need to keep that relationship alive. We need to stoke the fire, feed the fire that's within us, not neglecting the spirit of God as he is dwelling in us and teaching us. Ephesians 4.30, we are told, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
<clears throat> these believers in Ephesians 4.30 were sealed. Ephesians 1.13, we read, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So they were sealed believers and then they were told not to grieve the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Romans 8.5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the of the spirit. So this is a Christian life we're walking. First Thessalonians 5:19 we're told quench not the spirit. So let's just have a little bit of a review here. The elements of human nature are man is human, man is mortal, and man is sinful. Salvation in human nature then we there's no such thing as an absolute perfection. It's not Adamic perfection from Eden. It's not angelic perfection. It's not freedom from temptation. It's not impossible to sin. And we still have a need for growth. Our relationship with the sanctifier is that he does in fact sanctify and we need to give due attention to our relationship with the Holy Ghost. Um, special thanks to all the people who made and released these awesome resources for free. Um, if you're watching the video, uh, I've got a template here and I just need to give that up uh, to them. Uh, but I, in this all being said, where are you, dear listener? Where are you? Has that experience happened to you that you have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ and filled with the spirit? If not, you can seek him and find. If it has happened to you, are you living and walking with God and keeping up to date in your experience, listening to him and obeying him and keeping your nose inside of the Bible, letting it challenge your heart, walking with God? Where are you, dear listener? I want you to contact me at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782 so that we can meet together and uh, I can help you along in your journey. I can put you together with other people and their journey as well so that we can walk with God. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission to the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.